What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we have a jam-packed show for you. First off, our guest, an undrafted free agent quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, Keyshawn Nixon, comes on to talk about his path to the NFL and the struggles he met along the way and what he wants to do now that he's here. And after that, we're going to recap everything that happened in week one of the NFL season. You're not going to want to miss it. But first up, here's my interview with Keyshawn Nixon. We are now joined with Keyshawn Nixon, cornerback for the Oakland Raiders. Keyshawn, how you doing? How you doing? Good, good. So you recently played in your first NFL game uh, on Monday night. So do you mind telling me kind of just in a few words what that experience was like, not only playing in an NFL game, but playing on primetime, you know, Monday night football? Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, the atmosphere was great. The the game tempo, the speed of the game, everything was just surreal. It was like kind of unexplainable, honestly. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have the most traditional path to the NFL. So let's go ahead and talk about that a little bit. So first off, you played in Snoop Dogg's Youth Football League growing up. So you got into national attention while you were in college because uh, Snoop took a notice to what you were able to accomplish uh, playing at South Carolina. But do you mind just talking to me a little bit about what that youth football league was like to play and what impact Snoop Dogg had on you? He didn't really have a big impact on my football. Most of the assistant coaches really did. But as a, as a league, the competition in the league was crazy. Uh, day in and day out, it was, practices were hard. hard. Uh, so much competition, so much talent on each team that played in the, in the league. So it really made me tough. Mm. And growing up, were you – was football always something that you, you wanted to do? Was that your main focus, or did you have other interests growing up, maybe other future career choices? No, nah, I just always wanted to play football. I just never gave up on the sport. Did you, have, did you have players that you tried to model your game after, maybe some favorite players that you saw in the NFL that you, you tried to incorporate into your game then and try to do now? No, nah, not really. Uh, I mean, I, I admired a lot of the talent, but I just always told myself I was my favorite player. I never really had a favorite player growing up. Going into high school, um, you mentioned this a little bit earlier in uh, off-season interviews, but you played against a lot of NFL talent, not only college talent, but NFL talent. Do you mind talking to us about who those players were and um, how they made you better having to guard them? Oh, yeah. Uh, I played against some great talent. John Ross, Juju Smith, uh, other legends played in the SYFL, like uh, DeAnthony Thomas. Uh, it's a- every top kid really from, from the L.A. County probably played in the SYFL. Out of high school, uh, you were not – you didn't go to a D1 college. You ended up taking the junior college route. Did that motivate you, and how did that make you feel not being able to make it to D1 right out of high school? I went to a really good high school, which had a lot of D1 players go to college my senior year, and I just wasn't one of them because of, you know, my mistakes I made before. But I, I, I never never looked at it like that. I never hated it. I never did anything. I just motivated them. And they actually motivated me to just to, to go where they was going. So I went the junior college route, and I, I, I hit the league before they did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so at any point when you were in junior college, you decided to go to Arizona Western. Uh, was there at any point where you're like, you know what, maybe football isn't the way I should go? Was there any doubt in your mind, even while you were at junior college? Nah, 
Uh, actually, Arizona Westwood was like the top, one of the top teams in the country. Mm-hmm. And after this, after the first game, I started the second game. I started throughout my whole career there. So no, nah, it wasn't. Once I started, after my first game, I started getting colleges recruit started recruiting me, and it just blew up after that. Yeah, and you had a very talented uh, career at Arizona Western, even playing in the national championship game against Garden City, which. Fans of, of Last Chance U may recognize that name. But you were a very highly ranked cornerback coming out of Arizona Western. ESPN had you at the third corner and 10th best junior co- uh, college prospect in the nation. You had a lot of schools coming after you. What made you choose South Carolina? I wanted to, I wanted to stay. Either, either I was going to stay home with USC or I was going to leave home and go, to, and go to the SEC. So... I wasn't really feeling the Trojans like that, so I was just like, I'm just going to go to the SEC. And then I, I shut my recruiting down to just SEC schools. So uh, I just wired, uh, wired the, the the schools down, and I was just chose South Carolina. I like Coach Tavares Robinson and Mushap the most. Mm-hmm. You know, I turned down some really good programs like Georgia, Mississippi State, Florida. I turned down a lot of good schools, but I feel like I made the right choice. Not off, for just, not even just football, but just relationships and and outside of football. Okay, so in your first year at South Carolina, you primarily played on special teams, but that didn't stop you from making an impact on the defensive side of the ball, collecting three turnovers, including two interceptions, one return for a touchdown, and a fumble recovery. And you actually started the last game of the season, the Outback Bowl, uh, against Michigan. What was that like to, in essentially the team's biggest stage, be called upon to 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 be that that guy, be that starter for South Carolina. You know, I just trust the process with everything. And when I got to South Carolina, I was at safety. Really wasn't a good look for me. So I just had to keep, you know, working hard and understanding the defense and stuff like that. And then when it was my shot, I just had to, you know, ball out. Mm-hmm. And and you definitely did, no doubt about it. So, you know, after your career at South Carolina, like you said, you played safety. Do you think that had any impact on your draft stock uh, going into the NFL? Not really because, I mean, I, I should have got drafted, but I had a neck injury my senior year, so I feel like a lot of teams pulled off. But, I mean, the Raiders took a chance on me, mm-hmm. and and I, it worked out for both of us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so was that, your, was that your expectation going in? Because, like you said, you had the neck injury. So – you know, in talks with your family, with your agent, uh, all that sort of thing, was there an expectation that, hey, you know, you might go undrafted? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really worried about the draft at all. I mean, just draft is just it, just something to temporarily, you know, once once you put pads on, you got to play football at the end of the day, mm-hmm. no matter if you undrafted or first-round draft pick. Yeah, and the nice thing about being undrafted is you're able to choose which team you play for. What what did the Raiders say to you, or what did they when they talked to you that made you say, you know what, I want to play for the Silver and Black? Really, Coach Gruden, Mike Mayock. I mean, them guys brought they brought me in on the top thirty visit, probably knowing I was gonna go undrafted just to show that their interest was in me, and it worked out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk a little bit uh, about training camp with the Raiders. Well, actually, first off, before we get into that, uh, so you are a father and you're expecting another kid. So congratulations. Uh, on that, I I just had him. Oh, you did? Um, okay. Yeah, September seventh. Oh, that's fantastic! Awesome. So, uh, father, two kids. So, here's my question with that: 
in what way does playing football prepare you for being a father in all your in all your experience? Mm, humbles you. Um, slows your life down, really. You know, you're not playing for yourself no more. You got people to feed and, and count on you and look up to you. So you got to make the right decisions on and off the field. And let's go vice versa here a little bit. Uh, now that you have been a father for a bit now, uh, how does that give you an advantage going into the NFL now? Um, it doesn't really give you an advantage because, I mean, it's, it's, it's guys in the league with, with five kids, you know that? Mm-hmm. That doesn't really matter. Okay, all right. So let's talk a little bit about Hard Knocks. So HBO's Hard Knocks featured the Raiders this training camp what what was your thoughts about that? What was your thoughts about having the camera crew there? And was there any part of you that wanted to maybe be involved in the the shooting of it just a little bit more? Not even close. I didn't want to be <laughs> on there at all. I'm not really a camera guy. Like, I'm not really into like the hype and and want to be all on the cameras like that. You know. So, I mean, people that you know make a name for themselves on there, I, I understand that, but. Uh, it's also a good thing and a curse. You never know how it goes. So uh, I used to just run from the camera and stay far away from them. Oh, man. Okay. Do whatever it takes. I, I respect that. Uh, do you mind walking us through what a day was like for you uh, in training camp with the Raiders? Just kind of talk about, I mean, obviously, like you said, running away from cameras. But what else was going on uh, as you're getting ready for the season? Um... Really just understanding my role. You can't, you know, can't be worried about other people or coaches' decisions, you know. You got to you gotta earn your paycheck and, and wait your turn. Everything's a process. You never know how things work out. Okay, so I feel like, I feel like you knew this question was coming. Uh, it's on the question of a lot of people's minds. Uh, Antonio Brown, did you have a lot of interactions with Antonio Brown in training camp? And if so, what was he like to you and how was that? How were those interactions? I don't really have a lot of comments because I really didn't interact with him that much, to be honest. Uh, I, I just stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I never really was talking to a lot of people. I would just focus on providing for my family. Okay, so one one more question on that. Do you think that it's possible? Because there are a lot of reports right now that he orchestrated this whole event to to force himself out of Oakland. Do you think it's possible, I mean, from what you saw, obviously lining up with him, playing with him, all that sort of thing, that it's possible that he did that? Mm, I have no clue. Uh, I mean, everybody has situations, and and, and and everybody's entitled to their own opinion, whether it's media or people who play in the NFL back in the, the day. Can't nobody live some, some, somebody else's life but them. So, I mean, everybody's decision is best for themselves, honestly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about your play in training camp. So you slowly started to rise up the ranks of the Raiders cornerback room, and you were even named to Pro Football Focus all uh, all rookie first team. Was this just was this something where you're like, you know what, all my hard work is finally paying off? Or uh, what was going through your mind as you know Gruden said you were making the most plays out of anybody uh, out of any of the corners in camp? You know what was it like getting all this praise now after D1 schools not wanting to offer you? Going to South Carolina finally, and then going undrafted. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard for people who who hit rock bottom for being always on top. You know, high recruits, and then don't get drafted high. You know, it they don't know how to take it. But I've been down and, and reached the top 
So it's like I've done it before. So all I'm doing is doing it again. It's not really, it's not a big deal to me anymore because I've done it before. Mm. That, that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, so you sat out the fourth game, uh, fourth preseason game, which is normally an indication that, you know, the team is trying to save you uh, for the season. And when, you know, you were asked about making the team, you said you weren't surprised. Now, were you told ahead of time that, hey, look, we're resting you on purpose, this is why we're doing this, or what you just kind of expected, like, hey, if I'm not playing in the fourth game, I think that means I'm on the team? No, nobody, they never said anything, but, I mean, I kind of figured, but, you know, I wasn't, wasn't a big deal to me. If I played in it, I was still going to give it my all, but they told me I wasn't playing in the game. I just took it to where it's just like, okay, just get ready for week one. And and you were ready for week one, made the team. Uh, first things first, before we get into a little bit more in detail of your play on the field, I want to talk about your outfit. So I'm, I'm really digging the all khaki uh, that you went with. Now, tell me, was it one of those, like, first day of school vibes where you're like, you know what, this is what I'm wearing to the first game? You know, you kind of laid it out over the chair ready to go? Or was it just like, I'm going to wear whatever I, you know, first thing that comes to mind when I go in my closet? Um, nah, it was like first day of school. I, you know, I never forget where I came from. So, mm. I, I just I've never seen an NFL player wear a, a dicky khaki suit. <laughs> so I'm just like I, I'm gonna be the first one to do it. You know, from I'm from Compton, ass. That's like some Ice Cube stuff. Ice Cube's mm. a big Raiders fan, so I just wore it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of it. I like the I like the statement you were making there, uh, and in the game. One of my favorite plays uh, of yours was on special teams, uh, on that big block you had that opened up a big return. Is it one of those things at this point where now that you're playing special teams, you're basically giving 100%, and sometimes it ends in a, in a touchback, you know, sometimes the punt goes out of bounds, a fair catch. Is it hard to keep yourself motivated? Because, I mean, you know your shot's coming eventually. You're going to get a lot of reps on defense throughout the course of the season, but is it hard to give 100% on those plays where, Sometimes you don't even end up doing anything. No, nah, uh, I mean, you got to play every play like it's your last play. Coach Basachi preaches that. So, you know, you never know what can happen in life or in the game. So play every game, every play hard. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, your relationship with John Gruden here. Um, you know, like he, like I said, he said that you were one of the top, you know, you made the most plays out of any of the cornerbacks in training camp. Uh, and obviously we've seen a lot of him uh, on hard knocks this year and a lot of him throughout the the course of his career being an analyst, being a coach. What is he like to you? Uh, have you had a lot of interactions with him and, and is he yeah. everything is he everything that he is on the on the cameras? I mean, I feel like yeah, I have a lot of inter- interactions with him, but I feel like respect is everything with him. So if you if you're doing the right thing, not getting in trouble doing what the coaches tell you, you know, he's going to respect you. And when he talks to you a lot, it means he respects you. So it's just like, don't get in trouble, do what they tell you to do. And play football. He loved players who just plays football. You know, good football players. Were there any nerves for you going into this game? Uh, you know, or were you just, you know what, I've been preparing for this moment my whole life. Let's go out and take care of business. I, you know, it was the moment I waited for since I was five years old. <laughs> and it came through, came true last night, so. It's really just another day in the office now. Mm-hmm, definitely. Now, now that you're here, you just got to make the most of the opportunity. Uh, and speaking of that, what is your plan? What's your goal for proving that, hey, you know what? I am capable of not only 
getting these reps and special teams, being a key player there, but also being a contributor on the defensive side of the ball. Just trust the process. Whenever coaches tell me I'm ready to play in the game, I'll be ready to make plays. I can't I can't make that decision or rush the decision, but all I can do is be ready. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, there's a lot of off-season drama with the Oakland Raiders. Um, what what did it mean for you guys as a team, as a unit, to go out there and say, yeah, we had a lot of distractions, but look, we're 1-0. What, how important was this win for you guys? Uh, it was a big one, you know. Uh, we needed it just off of uh, a motivation standpoint, just getting ready for Kansas City now. But at the end of the day, we can't just live off of one win, you know. Mm-hmm. You got to get ready for next week. And what are your thoughts on uh, the fan base, Raider Nation? What do you what do you think of them so far? Oh, I love them. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's different. I mean, I played in the SEC, so every week it was like a, a crazy atmosphere, big game. So, but some about that all black in the stands just gives you chills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's a cool sight to see, definitely, even from a from a fan's perspective. Like I said, Monday Night Football, your first game in the NFL. Is this so far the biggest game of your career, uh, in your mind, or as far as importance goes? Do you think this is this is number one? Uh, I don't know. I find like that's hard to answer. Uh, because you know I played junior college national championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, played in some really big games in college, but just off of a a big game of my life standpoint, probably. Because, you know, it's the first NFL game at home Monday night, national TV. Let's talk about the Raiders team as a whole. So, obviously, this is your last year in Oakland. Uh, before they move on to Vegas, are you excited to, you know, be able to move to Vegas, live in Vegas, that sort of thing? Or is there a little bit of, of disappointment for Oakland, the city of Oakland? Honestly, I have no clue. <laughs> I'm just I'm just here to play football, you know, and, and be the best player I can be. I, I don't really be worried about the outside distractions and what's going on. I'm just here to play football. Sounds good. All right, now let's talk. Before I let you go, got to talk a little bit about uh, about football, like you said. So I'm just going to give you a couple of, of questions here, prompt questions, and I just want you to answer them and, you know, provide a little background on, on why you answered the way you did. So quarterback that you most would like to intercept. In the NFL, every quarterback, <laughs> every quarterback, and it, I mean, you you want to talk about that a little bit? Why why that's important to you? I mean, to be the best, you got to pick off the best. You got to play against the best. And now I'm in the NFL, so every week you're playing against great players and players who who's done it for a long time. You know, those players on our team who's been in the league since I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. So it's just like that's crazy to me, but it, it, it's you can't look at it like oh they're they're any better than you or they've been in the league longer. That doesn't matter. You can play football. You can play football. Is there a wide receiver in the league right now that you really want to match up against? <laughs> yeah, I want to guard my cousin, John Ross. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, he had a big game uh, last week. Yeah. You're talking about him. Uh, we'll see him. I'll, I'll see him later in the year. Well, okay, do you mind giving me your game plan a little bit for, for what you're going to do to shut him down? Given the opportunity, <laughs> talks with smack. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Do you? Are, I mean, you mentioned you played him before. Is that is that kind of what goes? You guys 
go back and forth a little bit with each other? Yeah, we work, we work out together in the off season and stuff like that. You know, it's family before everything, but it's 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 more of a, just an accomplishment for both of us playing against each other in the in the highest level of football. Mm. Okay, so I mean, do you have any any game plan or or way to really shut them down? No, I just play my game. One last question here before I let you go: What will be uh, in your mind? What will make your career a successful career? What do you have to do in order to have a successful career in the NFL? Make plays, make plays, oh. uh, that's, and win games. All that, that's all that matters. That's true. That that's really all it comes down to. Uh, well, I think that's all the time we've got here today. Keyshawn, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. That interview was absolutely fantastic. I love talking with Keyshawn, getting to pick his brain a little bit. And I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot of him uh, in the Raiders' defense this year and in the years to come. But let's recap everything that happened in week one. So we'll break it down game by game, talk about some questions that I had watching these teams play, and then we'll be ready to go for week two, which I am very excited about. So first off, we've got Rams-Panthers. Rams won this game 30-27, to but there were a lot of question marks for both teams on both sides of the ball. Now first off, the Rams offense. Jared Goff did not look like a $32 million quarterback uh, in any shape of the word. Uh, he was missing reads, making poor throws, and the offense, even though they scored 30, did not seem anywhere near as efficient as they should be, especially coming off of a Super Bowl. Uh, also, Todd Gurley, I don't really know what's going on there, but they seem to heavily rely on Malcolm Brown at the beginning of the game, and then towards the end of the game when they need to close it out, Gurley made his biggest impact. Now, I don't know if they're pulling a, a, a move from the NBA, trying a, a load management type of situation out there, but it'll be interesting to see what happens you know, in the weeks to come. Will Todd Gurley get the majority of those snaps, or will it be Malcolm Brown? And that's another question. Is he worth it in fantasy leagues? And I think yes. I mean, if he's a goal line guy and he's going to be playing the majority of those three quarters before you know, Gurley comes to close it out, then I think he's worth a pickup if he's still available. Now, on the Panther side of the ball, they played well, all things considered. Christian McCaffrey was just an animal, doing everything he could to keep his team in the game. It seemed like they couldn't tackle him. And on that last drive where they scored a touchdown to pull it to three, they relied on him to run the ball most of the time, and it actually worked out pretty well. But I'm pretty concerned about Cam Newton. I think he there's something going on with that shoulder because watching him make those throws, his throwing motion was giving me Andrew Luck PTSD. At the beginning of last year, you could definitely tell there was something still wrong with his shoulder, whether it was rust or whatever it was, but his motion was a lot tighter, not as free-flowing, and it's hard to be accurate when it's that tight. And that's kind of what I saw to Cam Newton. So that's definitely something to look out for, and I wouldn't ring the bell, the, the alarms yet, if you have him in fantasy, but it's definitely something to look out for because if he's still injured, then that's not good for this Panthers team, and it's not good for your fantasy team either. Next up, seahawks Bengals, and the Seahawks squeaked this one out 21-20. to That was very surprising. I thought it was going to be a blowout. The Seahawks are at home. You know, they made that big deal for Jadavion Clowney. The defense is looking better. The offense, you know, should be, should be doing all right. But they really seem to struggle, and they are lucky to get out of this one with a win. But that, that kind of brings up the question, are the Bengals an actual good football team, or are the, did the Seahawks just play bad? And I don't know. I, mm, I have a feeling that the Seahawks just had a little bit of an off game, and the Bengals are not challenging for the AFC North. The thing I love most about Week 1 is uh, all those overreactions and, and things that people take. You know, how they play in this Week 1 means, oh, this is how they're going to play the whole season, uh, which couldn't be anything further from the truth. 
But uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up a lot of those as we go out through all these games because a lot of people like to base week one off of the rest of the season and don't realize that it's going to take time, especially with these newer teams and figuring out. But I was impressed with DK Metcalf. Four catches, about 80 yards or so. Uh, really good to, you know, he had a really high draft stock going into the draft and then in the draft he fell because people, you know, didn't think he was worth the hype. But he was a pretty solid receiver for Russell Wilson. And so, I mean... Russell Wilson's going to need all the targets he can get. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what they do. If Russell Wilson can get back to being that MVP caliber quarterback that we all know he is. And the Seahawks can start winning games by a little bit more than one point at home. Next up, we've got the Niners and the Bucks. And I don't know about you guys, but I definitely made my way over to uh, the free agent list in fantasy and picked up those 49ers defense real fast because after their two interception touchdown performance they're the number one defense as far as scoring now I know it's not going to happen every week but there's a lot of reason for optimism for this 49ers team Uh, they have a strong front front seven going to get a lot of sacks and I mean if Richard Sherman can keep turning back the clock then that's that's even better for him but my biggest issue is with the with the Bucks there's a little bit of actually a lot of concern here Uh, for Jameis Winston I was ready to sound the alarms on him uh, and trade him away because I had him in one of my fantasy leagues uh, and after that poor performance. But you have to keep in mind, Mike w- Evans did have an illness that he was battling with. That's why he struggled so little. And, you know, a quarterback can really heavily rely on their number one wide receiver at times. And I'm not saying that's the complete problem, but I'm saying it attributed uh, to, the, to the issues that they had. Now, can Bruce Arians save the Buccaneers? We don't know yet. Uh, this wasn't the most optimistic showing, and they, this was a game where they they really you could have used. You know, they needed to win. I have them as a as a sleeper team just because I believe a lot in Bruce Arians. I think Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, Chris Godwin all have great potential uh, as a pass as pass catchers, and Jameis Winston can be good when he wants to, but he's very streaky. And I don't know. We'll see. I'm gonna you, you you're gonna have to get through at least maybe four or five more weeks before I'm really solid on what I think of the Buccaneers this season. All right, moving along here, the Cardinals and the Lions. And guys, I'm going to be honest, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed that Kyler Murray led that comeback because it just prolongs another week of Kyler Murray fans saying, oh, wow, look at how good he can be. Come on, it's the Lions. It's the Lions. Come, That's ridiculous. They should never have been 16 points down at any point of the game the, the Lions are nothing to be worried about at all. And I, was, I wasn't a big fan of the passive play calling out of Cliff Kingsbury um, at the end of this game. Honestly, you were down 16 points. Uh, at the, you know, no one expected you to win. But why not go for broke? Why not go for the win and go for it on fourth down instead of punting and playing to tie? No one likes ties. And you'd think out of anybody, Cliff Kingsbury wouldn't be one of those people who like to tie. Uh, I don't know. Kyler Murray didn't show me enough. I think he was really good in the fourth quarter, but he was bad for three quarters. And you can't be a good quarterback in the league only showing up in one quarter. Because when they start playing better teams, all of a sudden they're going to be down 30, not 16, and they're not going to be able to come back in it. Uh, but Or 18, excuse me, not 16. Uh, I do like TJ Hawkinson, though. Matthew Stafford seems to like him, too. And, you know, he could be a good value to him. I do not like on Johnson. I have not liked him since everyone was hyping him up, and I still do not think he's a valuable fantasy target. Whether or not he's good for the Lions is obsolete, right, guys? I mean, the Lions are going to win maybe four games, maybe five games. 
but Carryon Johnson is not worth it. Hawkinson may be the only guy on the Lions offense that's worth it in fantasy. Guys, don't go canceling any parades for this one. But next up, we have the Browns. I know a lot of people really loved them as their, you know, their dark horse Super Bowl pick. But, you know, when a lot of people started to do it, it kind of lost its luster as a dark horse. Uh, but there's no, there's no way around it. The Browns got smacked yesterday. Lost the Titans 43-13. to But I feel like there's so much more in there that, that we're missing and overlooking because we love that week one overreac- overreaction. Uh, you know, it's, it's a national holiday. It's kind of what we do. The couple days after week one, we make big, you know, overreactions and assumptions based off of one game. But the Browns trailed by two points with two minutes and 13 seconds left in the third quarter. Now, there's no telling. Yes, the Titans played really well for, those, for that last little bit, outscoring them by a bunch. You know, you had a 75-yard Derrick Henry touchdown. You had a, a Marcus Mariota to Delaney Walker touchdown and a, and a pick six. That'll do it for you. But... The Browns aren't out of it yet. I mean, yes, Baker Mayfield struggled, but he's also a second-year quarterback. He's got a lot of new targets that he has to adjust to, and while, yes, the offense is tailored around him, it's still a new offense, and I'm not making excuses for them. I'm not saying, oh, they're going to go back to the Super Bowl, and I'm not just all saying this because I picked Baker Mayfield as my MVP, but give it a few more weeks, guys. Take a little bit and say, you know what? The Browns, they may suck right now, but... You know, it won't be for long. They're going to play the Jets on Monday night. They can get right back on track uh, where they left off, and everything will be fine. No worries. Man, well, speaking of overreactions, next up we've got the Ravens and Dolphins. Now, the Ravens absolutely demolished uh, what was formerly known as the Miami Dolphins. I don't know if they're relegated to college now or not, but they're getting close to it. Uh, Lamar Jackson was good. Five touchdowns, 324 yards, 85% completion percentage. I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't, uh, but all day on Sunday, all day on Monday, all day on Tuesday, and even into Wednesday, people are hyping up this performance like he shut down a, a, a really good defense, a really good you know playoff caliber defense, but he didn't. It's the Dolphins. I mean, yes, they are in the NFL. That, that was actually one of my favorite arguments to it is someone's like, well, they played the Dolphins. So it couldn't be that they couldn't be that good, and someone said, "Well, since they're in the NFL, actually, technically, they're still pretty good. They're above average." It's like, yeah, but you can still suck and be one of the best in in the world, right? You're in that elite elite level, such as the NFL, but that doesn't make you a good player. Um, I'm not on the hype train. I don't know if you guys are, but no, I'm not a fan. I really don't like it. Um, I think he's going to have another big game next week, that being said, because he's playing the Cardinals, and the Cardinals also don't have a defense. So ride it out for a few more weeks. It's not till about week seven or eight, I think, that they play the, the Patriots. And if he does well against the Patriots, make some space on the bandwagon for me. But until then, I really don't want to hear any more about Lamar Jackson because, sure, he made some deep throws to receivers, but they had a couple steps on guys. Like, that's an easy ball to place. Right, and some of those were just quick little slants. That one of them, one of those touchdowns was a Marquise Brown slant that he took all the way to the house. Right, so there can't be much said for that. But here's the real question. Okay, I want you guys to think about this one. What is more likely, the Browns, or excuse me, the Dolphins going 0 and 16, or the Ravens going to the Super Bowl? I don't know. Something to think about. Next up, we've got the Eagles and the Redskins, and I honestly thought the Redskins were going to win this game. Uh, Darius Geis, on that first drive, Darius Geis looks really good. Uh, forget about the rest of the time, and obviously he's, he's injured now, so we'll see what happens with that. 
But then you've got a Vernon Davis hurdle, which I didn't know guys at 35 could still move like that, which is very impressive. Also impressed by Case Keenum, 380 yards, three touchdowns. And if this game ended at halftime, uh, the Redskins would have won. They would have won by quite a bit, and there would be a lot to be proud about. But Carson Wentz looked good after halftime. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, two 50-yard-plus touchdowns, moved into second all-time uh, in 50-yard touchdown history, which is fantastic for him. A um, few questions out of this one. You know, obviously the Eagles can't be doing that. They were coming in as a lot of people's Super Bowl favorites, struggled in the first half, still is week one, but, you know, a few more performances like that, and people are going to start rescinding their predictions. Also, Darius Geis, can he be the bell cow? I don't know. I mean, yes, he dealt with an injury, came off torn ACL, um, still high on him, have him in a couple fantasy leagues, but how much can he be trusted to be that guy in Washington? Uh, and also, how long can Case Keenum keep this up? Because at this pace, he'll be throwing 48 touchdowns, 4,800, you know, close to 5,000 yards if he goes every game like this. I don't think he will, but I'm just saying. Uh, so definitely some things to look out for, and maybe the Redskins aren't as bad as we thought. Next up, we've got the Packers and the Bears. Obviously, the Packers winning 10-3 to on Thursday night. It was very poor showing for uh, the NFL as far as offenses go. I mean, it wasn't that the defense was, were really good, but the offenses were just poor at best. Um, and, and save for a 50-yard, you know, beautiful throw by Aaron Rodgers, and you go through a ton of, a ton of drives, barely getting over 25 yards for either team. Uh, Bears are my Super Bowl pick. Mitch Trubisky didn't look the best. I'm not concerned, uh, but he's had these problems since he was at UNC, since I watched him at UNC. He's missing open receivers. Look up, this is your homework for the week, Google Mitch Trubisky throws to the left, uh, and there, it's just a compilation of him missing time after time, making poor throw after poor throw, and it, it's a tough watch, uh, but he, you know, he, he'll pick it up, David Montgomery's going to have a better game, the defense looked fantastic, holding the Packers to 10 points was, was great, um, both teams really got after the quarterback well, which was fun to watch, but as they get a few more a few more weeks of practice, because remember, both these teams didn't play any, hardly any of their starters in the preseason. So it's going to take a few weeks to really get into their groove, but, I mean, it won't take long, because, I, I mean, I have both these guys going to the, the playoffs, I believe. Oh, no, I don't have the Packers. Uh, but I have the Bears going to the playoffs, and the Packers at least going 9-7. and seven. So they're going to pick it up, and they're going to score a lot more than 10 and 3 points in their next game. Next up, we have the Colts and the Chargers. That one was a tough one. Uh, gave me a lot of anxiety throughout that game. The Colts' offense looked fantastic. Marlon Mack rushing for 178 yards. Jacoby Brissett threw two touchdowns, 190 yards, but we didn't really need him that much. Uh, but our defense forgot that they were actually top 15 in scoring and yards allowed per game last year, uh, and, and they were, were holding us down a little bit. Ek Austin Eckler just completely destroyed us, uh, You know, having over 160 total yards, three touchdowns. Great fantasy pickup if you have them. Uh, and kind of proving that they didn't really need Melvin Gordon, which is surprising. So here's here's something I was, I was looking up last night. So the Chargers have already fined Melvin Gordon $1 million for a missed training camp and missed, uh, and missed preseason games and obviously week one of the regular season because he is under contract, under his rookie deal. Uh, his, his contract total is $5.6 million. His backups, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, are $460. $465,000 and $570,000 total. So that's a little bit over 1.1 million combined, or no, a little bit over a million combined. So that means that they've already paid 
their entire yearly salary just based off of fines from Melvin Gordon so far. Now, he, like, like I said before, he doesn't have to report till week 10 because, and, and still be eligible for that rookie contract uh, that he you know, is supposed to be making. But they, they, Chargers are so stingy, they've somehow found a way to make money at the running back position and not lose a single bit of, of any talent on that side of the ball, which is crazy. Productivity is still very high at the running back position. The Colts obviously struggled. Adam Vinatieri missed uh, two field goals and an extra point, which would have been the difference maker. But there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, we know the defense has potential. You know, I trust Chris Ballard the way he can draft. We lost uh, Devin Funches due to injury, broke his clavicle, but opens things up for Deion Kane, a really good fantasy target. In his limited shares, he was making plays with the ball, had three or four catches, and he could be in line for a big year. Last year, we thought that was going to be his year until... An ACL injury sidelined him, uh, but he's ready to make some moves this year. So if you're looking for a wide receiver, maybe try Deion Kane. Next up, we have the Patriots and the Steelers. The Patriots absolutely demolishing the Steelers, 33 to three, crazy. Uh, you know, everyone was saying this offseason the Patriots is the best Patriots team, most athletic we've seen in a long time. Ton of great targets. You got Josh Gordon, Philip Dorsett, Julian Edelman all looking great, and it was all on display. Uh, but the Steelers did not look good. Losing both Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown from the team, they, they really struggled. Uh, they were The Patriots were able to lock up Juju Smith-Schuster uh, pretty nicely and held them to limited gains, and the defense was just obsolete. It was terrible. I don't know if it was poor play calling on the side of the Steelers or just you know having a mastermind at quarterback like Tom Brady with the combination of Bill Belichick. But the Steelers... Don't look good. Like I said, week one overreaction happens all the time. And you know Tom Brady and the Patriots are going to be prepared every week no matter what. But we're going to need to see some more offensive production. I do have them going to the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next coming weeks as they get ready, you know, and and kind of get into the swing of the season. Next up, we've got the Cowboys and the Giants. Cowboys winning 35 to 17. Absolutely fantastic performance from Dak Prescott. Really took the load off of Ezekiel Elliott. Dak Prescott threw four touchdowns, a second in passing yards, and uh, had a perfect passer rating. Just a great game all around for the Cowboys, especially on the defense, offensive side of the ball, as well as the defense side of the ball. Uh, the Giants struggled. Now, Eli Manning's stats look good, but one of my favorite quotes, someone said, yeah, if you didn't, look at, if you didn't watch the game and you just saw a stat, you think, oh, I did pretty good. But if you watch the game, he was missing throws, making terrible reads, uh, you know, even ran the ball a couple of times, not well. But my question is, why is the best player on your team, Saquon Barkley, only carrying the ball 11 times? It makes no sense, absolutely no sense. He had over 100 yards based off of those carries. And yeah, I get it, you're down, but you're going to gain more running the ball than you are passing the ball, especially when you have Saquon Barkley on the team. Also, Evan Ingram one of the people that was catching passes looked really good at the tight end position for the Giants, making a lot of plays and giving reason for, um, you know, giving me proof as, as to why I made the right choice in picking him in fantasy. The Chiefs and the Jags. Talk about Minshew mania. Let me tell you. Gardner Minshew replaced Nick Foles in the second quarter after he also broke his clavicle, and he did well, completing his first, I believe, 17 passes, going 22-25 overall, a touchdown and a pick, Pick really wasn't his fault, bounced off of Leonard Fournette, but he looked good. 
Now, being from around the area of Washington State, I followed him all last year, was really excited for him, and I wasn't really expecting him to, A, get in the game, and B, do so well when he did. There's a lot of reason for optimism. You know, he made a lot of great plays rolling out of the pocket, keeping things alive, and obviously staying insanely accurate, keeping a high, very high uh, completion percentage. I don't know what that means for the rest of the season, but it could be the start of something really cool. Look, I don't want to start these comparisons, but I do just want to remind you that Tom Brady was also a six-round pick, and he also replaced his quarterback due to injury. I'm not saying Gardner Minshew is going to have the same career as Tom Brady, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, don't be surprised if something happens. Immediate fantasy pickup, especially in deeper leagues. I would say in, if you're in a 14-team league, he's worth it uh, just because of the value he gives, and he's got a lot of good receivers. DJ Chark was making a lot of plays. DD Westbrook, obviously, we know how good he is. And they've got Leonard Fournette, who also would have a lot of high value because they may be relying on him a little bit more than they would without Nick Foles. I, I, I didn't even talk about the Chiefs. Sorry, I got really caught up talking about Gardner Minshew. Chiefs look fantastic. Sammy Watkins kind of shocked us all, is now leading the, the league in uh, receiving yards. Tell me, what is more of a surprise? Andy Dalton leading the league in passing yards? Marlon Mack leading the league in rushing yards, or Sammy Watkins leading the league in receiving yards. Uh, I mean, Andy Dalton obviously has to be a surprise. Doesn't look good for my prediction of Ryan Finley playing at some point during the season, but Sammy Watkins was a surprise. I don't know if he's going to repeat. I don't think he's going to do it again, but it's an interesting, interesting thing to look out for, especially now that Tyreek Hill will be missing the next few weeks with injury. Uh, the defense is still very poor haven't gotten any better and I don't think they will get better but it'll be interesting to see what they can do and you know if they can really prove that with enough offense you can overcome a bad defense for yet another season all right we're coming up on the end here we've got Bill's Jets uh first off Devin Singletary four carries 70 yards don't know why they didn't rush the ball more I think Frank Gore only had eight to ten carries uh, as well very shocking but Devin Singletary proved that Proved why they let LaShawn McCoy go, that they really do have a bright future at the running back position, uh, and they've got a good veteran in Frank Gore. Josh Allen played poorly, and then he didn't play, he played a little bit less, a little bit better than poorly, uh, and won the game 17-16. I mean, I still have him in fantasy, I, I still have high hopes for him, didn't really prove why that was a wise investment this game, but I'm expecting, you know, as we move along, he's going to get more rushing yards not throw as many interceptions, not fumble the ball, and score a lot of points. The Bills, however, or the Jets, however, excuse me, this was a game they should have won. I don't think there's any way about it. Obviously, their kicker missed a couple kicks, uh, and, you know, that's inexcusable from the kicking position. But Sam Darnold threw the ball to, to Jamison Crowder 14 times, right? He had Robbie Anderson. He missed Robbie Anderson a bunch of times. And they have Le'Veon Bell. I mean, this was a game I had them charted down for a win. Hayden's got them going to the playoffs, so they really need to pick it up. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'll save the week one overreaction uh, a little bit here, but I don't know. I don't, I, the, the Jets may still suck again. I think there's a very good chance that that's the case. And then the last of the Sunday games, we've got the Vikings and the Falcons. Vikings scoring 28 points. Falcons only scoring 12. Kirk Cousins threw the ball 10 times. Dalvin Cook rushed for 121 yards, and they scored 28 points. I think this is what uh, the Vikings had in mind all along before John DiFilippo had Kirk Cousins throwing the ball 45 times. 
Uh, I mean, look, if you can win a game and Kirk Cousins only throws the ball 10 times, if you can pay a, if you can pay a guy $30 million to throw the ball 10 times, I mean, hey, that's easy money if you're Kirk Cousins. Uh, I, I like this. I think there's a little bit of, of hesitancy on the Falcons. We expected big things from their offense. Uh, obviously, the, the Vikings have a very good defense, but less than optimal here. Uh, you know, because now you have Devontae Freeman back from injury. Everyone's healthy. Matt Ryan's throwing the ball. The Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. Uh, they should score more than 12 points. Not really too concerned about it. Uh, maybe a little bit more worried about their defense because now they also have all their healthy pieces. Uh, and they couldn't beat a team who threw the ball 10 times. Like, that's college-level stuff, right? That's, what is it, Army? Army runs the ball a lot. They pass it hardly ever. Like, that doesn't happen in the NFL, and, and you win, Right? So that, that was an interesting one, but not really too much concern for both teams. I think they'll both still do really well. I have the Vikings making the playoffs, and after this performance, I'm feeling even better about it. So luckily, we had two Monday night games, and both of them were very exciting, very cool to watch. First off, we had the Texans and the Saints, which the Saints looked bad for a half, and then the second half, they proved why they really should have been in the Super Bowl last year. Alvin Kamara just couldn't be tackled, and Drew Brees was making play after play. But so is Deshaun Watson, right? But this is just another example of why the Texans still haven't figured out their offensive line. He got six, sacked six times last night. Uh, spending a lot of time on the ground is no good sign for any quarterback, especially coming from a guy who is a fan of the Colts and watched it happen to Andrew Luck over and over again. But Deshaun Watson almost came out of New Orleans with a win. Fantastic drive with about a minute and five seconds left. Only took him two plays and he scored a touchdown. But right when he scored... You, you knew you had too much time for Drew Brees. You knew there was too much time on the clock, even though it was 35 seconds. Uh, Drew Brees got him in position perfectly, and then Will Lutz made up for one of his misses and canned a career-long 58-yard field goal at the buzzer to win it, uh, which is really awesome, really cool uh, to watch a game like that, especially in prime time. Uh, one of the best Monday night football games to start the season in recent memory, for me at least. Uh, but both these teams are going to make the playoffs. I think it's pretty accurate. The the Texans have a decently e easy division, especially now with the injury to Nick Foles. It's a little bit more open for them. Uh, you know, the Titans played really well, but I don't think that's going to last the whole season. And I don't, I don't know if the Colts, I'd like to see the Colts give them competition, but I'm not optimistic about it. And the Saints are the Saints. I mean, it doesn't matter who you really put in their division. They are going to figure out a way to win and they're going to make the playoffs. I, I can see them getting a first round bye and maybe, maybe making a run. They could make a run to the Super Bowl this year um, after they got robbed the past two years. Well, the last year they got robbed, and then the year before that, it was just a terrible play call with the Minneapolis miracle. But they're, they're good. They're in a great position, and Drew Brees proved that he still got it. And then the last game of the week was the Broncos and Raiders. Joe Flacco is not a good quarterback. Let's just throw that out there. He's tall. He's got a big arm. John Elway likes him. But that's about the only three redeeming things he's got going for him. His reads are just poor. He throws a nice ball, but it's not very accurate. Uh, and the Raiders played really well, I think. You know, they spent all offseason in turmoil. John Gruden really knows how to light a fire under his guys, and they won. And I loved watching Gruden celebrate with the Raiders. I thought it was really cool to watch him get out and get out in the crowd and, and you know, slap some high fives. Derek Carr played good, right? Derek Carr was a very good quarterback, and he's got some good options. Tyrell Williams is fantastic. Darren Waller, also fantastic. There's a bright future in Oakland. I don't know if they're going to be winning games this year, uh, you know, a lot of games this year, but they're a fun team to watch. Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Tyrell Williams, Darren Waller is a 
very good four-person combo as far as offenses go, right? Maybe even above average, debatably above average. But it'll be exciting to watch these guys this year. Uh, the I think they're going to do better than the Broncos. I don't know. The Broncos, Vic Fangio may have been a mistake higher. Like I said, week one overreaction. But I don't know how how well the Broncos are going to do this year. Uh, Philip Lindsay, I don't know if he's going to repeat. They have a, a worse quarterback. They trade away Case Keenum. Maybe Drew Locke can save him once he gets off IR. I don't know. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see because they can't ride out their defense. Their defense isn't as good as it was before to, to rely on. All right, that is our recap for week one in the NFL. Now, obviously, we have to talk a little fantasy. So I sent out a poll on Instagram asking for for questions uh, for people in, that they had questions about fantasy, and I've got a couple in here. I'm just going to go ahead and read them off and answer them as best I can. So first off, we got one from Evan Smith. Is Lamar Jackson a must-start going forward, or was the last game an anomaly? Now, I talked about this a little bit before, and like I said, I'm, I don't like Lamar Jackson, so I'm biased in this, in this regard, but here is my advice with Lamar Jackson. Start him this Sunday against the Cardinals, watch him throw three or four touchdowns, another 300 yards, and then sell high. Now is the time to trade him and go for another top five quarterback because that's what he is right now. Now, he may stay up there, but I doubt it, right? You could even keep him for a couple weeks longer because they really don't face a tough defense until the Patriots. I don't think he's a good quarterback, but I think he, he and John Harbaugh are smart enough to manipulate weaker defenses uh, until someone you know realizes that they can force him to throw and have good pass rush. I think that's, that's the two keys to stopping Lamar Jackson is a, a good pass rush, basically a good front seven. Because if you can stack the box, stop the run, and then get to him sooner than he can throw the ball, he's going to struggle. I don't know because you're going to force him to make tougher and tougher throws. There's going to be less time to throw, less space on receivers. Uh, but in long and long form, of an answer, yes, I think it was an anomaly, but I do think he could do it again this week. I don't know. Sorry, very confusing answer, but in my opinion, start him this week and then sell high after week two. Next up, we've got a question from Danny Barreto who asks, is John Ross the real deal with Cincinnati's new offense? And I want to say yes, but I think it's too early to tell. Uh, those That touchdown pass, I was talking with Hayden this morning on the flea flicker was a blown coverage, probably should have been intercepted, but you know he made a good plan and good for him. And if you look at it, he's really the only guy they've got with any proven experience until A.J. Green gets back. And if Andy Dalton's still going to be passing yardage leader Andy Dalton, I feel like he's going to have to throw to somebody, and that somebody is John Ross. So I'm decently high on him, hesitantly high on him, I should say, uh, but I think he can make a lot of plays, and he's going to get you those deep touchdowns. They may not come every week, but when they do, it's going to be a big boost for your fantasy team. Next up, we've got a question from Mark Abrio, which is also about the Bengals offense, which is really weird. Uh, Joe Mixon, is Joe Mixon ready to roll for week two? So as of late, he still, today he did not practice. He was not taking part in Wednesday's practice. The Bengals are optimistic that he will play uh, on Sunday for them. I was, I was also part of that disappointment. I had Joe Mixon on my fantasy team. Luckily, the injury wasn't anything serious, but there is a little bit of concern with, with him and whether or not he's able to be healthy. I mean, obviously, keep your options open if you can. Uh, you know, get another running back, but I'm assuming, you know, you, you obviously have a backup. So my answer to that is, I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> 
Next up, we've got a question here from Hayden, who I guess is playing in a, in a four-kicker league. Uh, he says, who should I drop? Jake Elliott, Kaimi Fairbain, Dan Bailey, Greg Zuerlein, or Brett Maher? Uh, oh, okay. So this, this story deserves a little bit of a background. Uh, there was a guy he was arguing with on Instagram a couple days ago um, who somehow had an insanely loaded team uh, for, his fantasy, for his fantasy team. But for some reason, he had two kickers. Um, so I'm just going to take this question and spin it a little bit into which kicker should I start? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Greg Zuerlein. I feel like the Rams offense, especially if they struggle enough again, they're good enough to get into field goal range. Maybe they won't score touchdowns, which is just better for Greg Zuerlein. So out of those guys, I would go with Rams, Greg Zuerlein. All right. And we've got one more question here from Nico Pintos. Talk about why the Dolphins defense is the best pick for next week against the Patriots. Well, <laughs> you're really doing a number on me here, Nico. Uh, I mean, the Dolphins always beat the Patriots somehow. So they may lose by 49 to the Ravens, but they're somehow going to pull one out against the Patriots. Uh, here's the real reason. Here's the only reason I can think of, right, is if your fantasy league was kind of like golf and low score wins, uh, then I think the, the Dolphins would be a fantastic defense to play against the Patriots. Uh, that, that's all I've got. We're going to be introducing a lot of new segments here throughout the NFL season. If you have any suggestions or any ideas of what you'd like to see, feel free to send them in to us and we love to incorporate it. But for those of you who listened to last week's episode, uh, Hayden had a bit of a slip of the tongue in talking about uh, a player that was going to do really well. He said uh, he was trying to mix together catching a touchdown and a home run pick. Uh, and he called it catching a home run. So that's going to be a new segment we have here on the podcast every week where we go through every position and give you one home run pick. We're going to call it home run catchers. Now, obviously, I can't do this segment without, uh, you know, can't do it for the first time without Hayden. So I had him send in his picks for uh, home run catchers. So first off, at quarterback, I was a little bit upset about this because this one would have been my prediction or this one would have been my pick. Uh, but I asked him first and I don't want to copy it again. Uh, but he went with Gardner Minshew, which, I mean, I, look, I already talked about him too much. I'm going to limit it here. Love the pick here. Love what he's going to be able to do. Um, and I'm excited for him for his career. Sorry, Gardner Minshew love over here. Uh, running back Justin Jackson, love this pick as well. Austin Eckler's not going to get 160 total yards and three touchdowns again. Um, Just, Justin Jackson had six carries for 57 yards last week, which is pretty good. Uh, if you average it out, hang on, let's do some quick math here. That's a little over nine to carry, uh, nine and a half a carry. So look for him to take more of a focal point, especially if they go up big against the zero one and one Lions. Wait, I think, right? The tie goes in the middle. Either way, tie either goes in the middle at the end. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, he's going to do a lot of damage for them. Then at wide receiver, he's got Miko Hardman. I really like this pick uh, for the Chiefs. Obviously, Tyreek Hill's down to an injury. Sammy Watkins is a fantastic receiver. And Miko Hardman can make plays. I mean, we've seen it in preseason. We know what he's capable of. He's insanely fast. Uh, another great pick here. And then rounding it out, uh, I was with him on the first four. This one, I'm... I dis I do not like I this is terrible. I think you should not listen to this whatsoever. But he went with uh, I think just to piss me off. He went with Carryon Jackson, Carryon Johnson running back for the Lions. I'm just gonna say this right now. I'm gonna say it one time, and then that's it. I'm I'm gonna leave it. The only guy you need on your fantasy team from the Detroit Lions offense is T.J. Hawkinson. That's it, and he's debatable. He had a great week last week, but. Uh, that's the only guy you need. You, you should not be getting anyone else because they're just going to let you down. That, that's it. That's pretty much it. 
All right, now here is my home run catchers of the week. First off at quarterback, I have Jameis Winston. Now, like I said, he sucked last week, and I was ready to, I was ready to ring the alarm bells. I was ready to trade him away, say forget about it, whatever. Just took a deep breath, realized, hey, he's got a fantastic offense around him. And, I mean, he is streaky, but he has games where he is really good. So I'm high on him for this week against the Panthers. I don't think their defense is good enough. Uh, and I think he's going to show out. Next up, we have Matt Breida. Now, now that Tevin Coleman is down to an injury, Matt Breida is going to be the guy for the 49ers. And, I mean, they're playing the Bengals. Come on now. Matt Breida is going to light it up. Uh, and the 49ers are going to go 2-0 because it's the Bengals. Unless they surprise us again somehow. I don't know how that's possible. Then at the wide receiver position, I'm going to go ahead and go with Tyrell Williams. Now, I was big on Tyrell Williams, especially after AB was released. I had him in a few fantasy leagues, and I was excited to see that he really was wide receiver one for the Raiders this past week. And Derek Carr is a good quarterback, which makes it all the better. Next week, they're going up against the Chiefs. And, I mean, the Chiefs' defense isn't, isn't anything to write home about, so I definitely think he's going to show out big and have yet another big game as the lead receiver for the Oakland Raiders. Then at the flex position, I'm going to go ahead and go with Jamison Crowder. Now, he's definitely cemented himself as wide receiver two in New York, but Adam Gase loves his slot receiver, and Jamison Crowder caught the ball 14 times yesterday for only 99 yards, which, I mean, only relative, but if he throws a touchdown in there, that's a big day for him. Uh, I think there's a really good chance he could catch the ball, catch a touchdown uh, this this coming up week, playing against the Browns. The Browns are a really good defense, but they do tend to give up uh, a lot of big plays occasionally, which will go to Robbie Williams, which then in turn will open up these passes, these short passes for Jamison Crowder, and I could easily see him catching the ball 10 times again and also throwing in a touchdown with it. And obviously, you have to save the tight ends for last. I realize I didn't mention Hayden's tight end, so I'm going to throw that in as well. Uh, he went with Eric Ebron. I like that pick. Uh, I think him and Jack Doyle are still going to be getting 50-50 of, the, of those catches, but Eric Ebron is a red zone magnet, and he almost had a touchdown last week. Don't, or don't get me started. A little upset about it. Maybe a bit controversial. I thought it was a touchdown. Obviously, I'm a little biased, but I can see him getting a touchdown this, this next week coming up against the Titans. Uh, and for my pick, I'm going to go ahead and go with the team he's playing against, the Titans, and Delaney Walker. Now, Delaney Walker has proven himself as Mariota's security blanket and caught two touchdowns last week. Now, I don't think he's going to repeat that performance, but he may snag one, and he's going to get at least five catches a game. Uh, he's a reliable target that Mariota seems to really enjoy throwing the ball to, and I think that means big things for him and his value in fantasy. All right, guys, well, we're just about out of time. I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for giving up a portion of your day to listen to me talk about sports. If you like what you heard, feel free to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, let us know how we can do, do better. If you have an idea for new segments, new things you want to see, feel free to reach out to us. We love hearing from you. You can follow us on Instagram at notgonnalivepod.com, also on Twitter at PodcastNGL, or check us out on our website, www.notgonnalivepod.com, where we post weekly blogs about all things sports. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.